0: Hello and welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Hello and welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. On this week's episode, we have impact artist, actor, figure skater, and host, Sierra Sophia Mercier. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So happy to have you. Thank you so much. How's everything going so far? It's Monday.
1: Monday. Yeah. Everything is going, you know?
0: That's amazing. So, Sierra, I did my research and my background, and thank you so much for supplying uh, some information. But for my listeners, I would love to know kind of where you're born and raised.
1: Sure. Um, I'm born and raised in the beautiful small town of Sun Valley, Idaho. Mm. Most people think Idaho is in the Midwest somewhere, but it's actually the Northwest. Oh,
0: wow. I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: So we're sandwiched in between uh, Washington, Oregon, Wyoming, Montana. Got it. Yeah.
0: Nice. So you grew up there throughout your entire like childhood and into your teens or kind of how long were you there?
1: I lived in Sun Valley with my family until I was 16, but I was a pretty serious figure skater. So right. at 16, I moved to Lake Arrowhead, California, which at the time was a an international training center. Oh, wow. And okay. I moved there to train full time.
0: Nice. And lived
1: there for six years.
0: That's amazing. What got you into figure skating? I mean, is uh, Sun Valley considered to be a very like snowy kind of cold area for you to do that type of work?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, Sun Valley is mostly known for its ski resort. Oh, wow. It has the very first ski resort in the United
0: States. Holy crap. Okay, there you go. So
1: a lot of people head there in the winter to ski and uh, growing up there, Pretty much as soon as you can walk, they strap skis on you and push you down the mountain. <laughs> Love it. So I was one of those kids as well, and I grew up skiing and on the ski team. But I was also in ballet mm. and a dancer. Right. And my parents took me skating, and um, over time, I you know I loved all three sports, so I was doing all three pretty seriously.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I was twelve, my parents said, you know, you need to pick one sport because mm. all three wanted me to commit in a deeper. Right. way and travel and compete and whatnot. So, um, I felt like I really loved the speed and competitiveness of skiing mm-hmm. and the, the performance and musicality of ballet. And right. I got all of that in skating. Got so it. that's why I chose figure skating. Of course, the hardest sport.
0: Yeah. No kidding. It's incredible because it's literally like doing not only ballet on ice, but on top of that, you're just like physically, athletically have to be built to to withstand all that pressure, if you will.
1: Yeah. It's like gymnastics on a quarter inch blade. There Plus you you're being judged and critiqued and right. it's, it's a nuts sport.
0: That's amazing. So you moved at 16 and how does that work for you? I mean, I think that Not a lot of us, you know, in our young teen years, majority of us are, you know, in high school or kind of in our on the way out. So was that really kind of a drastic change for you to go and, you know, to go to train really and and be like this competitive figure skater?
1: Yeah, it it was some aspects of it were hard and some aspects of it were easy. I was so focused on my goals in skating, primarily to make it to the Olympics that I was willing to. Sacrifice my life (laughs) Let's just Put it lightly um, To you know do whatever it Took and I You know I got to a point In Idaho, where I was really the top skater and there was nobody to chase. Mm. And so moving to a training center like Lake Arrowhead, I was surrounded by Olympians. I was on the ice with Michelle Kwan and, and all these incredible skaters. And so that really made me have to like skate up Mm. and, and work harder and train harder and more seriously. So, um, leaving home was actually really exciting for me and really a great escape. However, um, I did end up bouncing around between home and home and family and family. And um, so I never really had a stable home base when Mm -hmm. I was there. Even throughout the six years that I lived there, I was, you know, just constantly kind of switching and, and that made it difficult. But because skating was such a main focus for me, I was able to make that my allow that to give me a solid foundation and something to stand on
0: yeah no that's incredible yeah i think that um being put in those situations and then like you said finding like new family if you will or like chosen family within something that you really love i'm sure is definitely kind of like brings you joy and it sounds like you're competitive as well, which is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Very. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm sure it kind of brings that out in you. So did you feel kind of leaving Idaho being like the big fish in the small pond to then go to Arrowhead, which is this training center kind of like you're, (laughs) you shrink down to be the small fish in the big pond.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I also like, um, I had a, a pretty big, like, yeah, pretty big ego. I was pretty confident about myself as a skater, and so I knew how to take up space on the ice as well. Mm. But at the same time, you know, I have to risk. We we respect each other. Right. It's a it's crazy. We're like flying around the ice, going thirty miles an hour, right. and and barely missing each other. And sometimes you do run into each other, but right. like it's pretty crazy that we're able to to do
0: that. Yeah. So a lot of control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, is the community of skating, uh, very kind of, like you said, supportive, but like, you know, every, okay. Hollywood puts it as though like everyone wants to cut each other with a freaking ice skate, you know, and like you see the, the stories and the headlines, you know, in the Olympics and everything that had happened, you know, um, And so I'm just curious, kind of your perspective going into that. And you were, uh, it looks like you were a triple gold medalist in the U.S. Figure Skating Association as well. So, you know, you're at the top of the game there. Did it get really competitive to the point where the cattiness kind of comes out or not, really?
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think that uh, the cattiness it It' start, I think that the that what you're talking about, that like camaraderie and mm-hmm. and you know, groupness, I felt that when I was younger, mm. you know, my coach had a bunch of young students, and she'd try to we'd go to competitions together and she'd right. keep us as her little like team, you know, definitely, as you get older, it's such an individual sport, and mm. it's so competitive. I mean, beyond the fact of like how good are you as a skater, but like, Who's your coach? Mm. Oh, and who made your dress? Oh, wow. And who's your choreographer?
0: Oh, wow. Okay. And,
1: um, oh, did you hear that song? It's like, <laughs> and all the moms are at the rink, you right. know, gossiping about the skaters. and It's just a mess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how, I guess, how do you keep from getting all of that in your head while you're on the ice? Or does it... I've I've never I love ice skating, but I'm never competitive in that way, obviously. But I'm just curious, like, how do you do you blank out your mind when you're in it and you're just feeling, you know, the, the piece that you're doing? Or is it like do those things kind of enter your head at moments? Because, I mean, you literally are in an arena with all these people watching you, you know, perform.
1: I think the technicality of skating requires such presence that. When you're actually in the moment skating, whether it's doing your program or you're stroking around, like feeling your edges and and your arms and the position that your hands are in and and you're like going into a jump, all of that distraction pretty much leaves. Mm. Um, The only thing that would distract me is if there was some really bad music on.
0: Got it. (laughs) interesting but you usually get to choose your your music right
1: yeah i just mean like you know practice music mm, yeah yeah i would make all of the mixed cds love it to ensure that i liked
0: the music that's amazing yeah i remember as a kid i i would go ice skate i loved ice skating and but the, my downfall was that i could not skate on figure skating skates i could only skate on hockey skates which is obviously like a no-no um that's not a no no I, well, yeah, if you want to be a figure skater, I was like, I would, I was the gay kid that was like floating around on the ice and like trying to do all this stuff. And then it was like, well, you're, you know, not on a figure skate with no, you know, pick on it. And I was like, well, okay, this is over. Um, <laughs> But no, the music is such a huge factor in it because it like brings you to life, you know, like you feel the music and being able to, you know, practice on it. And like you said, get into like your your moment and your your feels. So,
1: yeah, music is what brought me back to my love of skating after I retired my competitive career. Got it. Yeah.
0: Wow. So you obviously you just talked about that. So I'm curious, kind of, you were going after Olympic dreams and everything, and wanting to, you know, compete. And so, did that happen, or kind of what transpired after that?
1: Yeah. This is uh, (laughs) this is this is like you know the painful part of being an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, First, it was really an injury Mm. that uh, continued to. I kept, I recurringly sprained my ankle.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. And
1: so it just, once that happened, I was never really able to c- come back quite as strong as I was. Mm. And even if I took time off, like I'd try to come back and I'd end up coming back too soon and spraining it again. And so mm. it was just this kind of gradual uh, let down into like, oh, okay. I guess my competitive career is over Mm. and then I also experienced um sexual abuse from my coach oh wow yeah okay um which I feel like you know kind of contributed to my competitive career course changing as well
0: right Right. That's interesting that you say that because I was actually going to ask you that because, you know, there's this huge opening up of what's happened in the U.S. women's gymnastics, you know, and for years and years there's been sexual abuse to these young girls and women that have been competing. So I was curious if that has also happened in the figure skating world. And yeah, I mean, if you don't mind kind of sharing about that, please, you know, but at your own discretion. Thanks.
1: Yeah, I feel like. Uh, sexual abuse in the figure skating world has remained really silent hmm. for very for a long time, and uh, I myself was uh, sexually assaulted by my own coach. Wow! And um, you know, I had left home at sixteen, and and he was one of the adults that was supposed to look after me and care for me, and it was this really you know, challenging power dynamic because here's my superior telling me what to do every single day.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And I, you know, follow his guidance and do what he says. And then, you know, he also kind of, we became friends and Mm. we'd hang out on the weekends because I didn't have any family. And, um, I'd go over to his house. I did also didn't have a uh, any laundry at one point when I was where I was living, so I was doing laundry at his place, and we just became like really close. Mm-hmm. And then he took advantage of that and took it to the next level and abused his power and um, forced me to do things that I wasn't ready or or wanted to do. Right. And so I I also feel like that played a role in derailing my competitive journey mm-hmm. um, because. It just threw this whole other emotional, this whole other emotional role into our dynamic, mm. and then on the ice and and confusion, and um, and later I found out as I was researching about pedophiles that he was in fact like grooming me mm. and had been, and so I. But you know, all this to say that. I've been able to take this, what I would call, you know, poisonous situation and turn it into total medicine in my life. Right. And um, it's my goal actually to be able to inspire young women um, who have maybe been through similar experiences Mm -hmm. to to realize that they don't have to be a victim and that they can actually take this experience and make something good out of it.
0: Yeah. No, that's incredible because like you said, if people don't speak out about it, there's no stopping these people from you know, having the repeat, you know, situations keep on happening. So that's incredible. And that was actually, you answered my next question before even asking it, which was, yeah, to kind of be the advocate or the person to stand up for these young women and girls that are, you know, competing and still in this industry. And like, it has to stop, you know, and I know that, you know, USA Gymnastics is finally getting it together. And so now it's like, okay, let's talk about this on the ice and let's really transform it. You know, like you said, turning poison into medicine. I love that. So after deciding, you know, that that was kind of over and you kind of moving forward, did you leave Arrowhead and come directly to Los Angeles or kind of what was your journey, I guess, getting here to LA or did you kind of go other places after Arrowhead?
1: Well, realizing I needed to leave Arrowhead was, was more about my personal relationship with my coach. Right. Uh, long story short, he ended up uh, proposing to another woman and getting her pregnant Whoa. while he was still trying to be with me. Mm. And at that point, I was just like, I have got to get out of here. Got it. And there was a coach in Salt Lake City, Utah that I really wanted to work with. So I mm-hmm. actually chose to move there okay, thinking that I would continue to compete. Right, But it was there in Salt Lake that I... Also had to come to terms with like, oh, like my body is physically not enabling me to train at the elite level anymore. Right. And so I started to, you know, go through this denial period uh, and and I didn't skate for a long time. And it was just kind of this like, what am I going to do with myself in my time? Um, but it was actually Around that time when I was introduced to Nietzsche and Buddhism.
0: Oh, wow. And if you don't mind me asking, how old were you at that point? (laughs) Just in the sense of time from like 16, moving to Arrowhead and then kind of going to Salt Lake.
1: Yeah, I was 22.
0: Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And how did that, I mean, that's ultimately how we met as well. So Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, kind of like being introduced and kind of that journey, you know, and then like you said, the concept of that like turning poison into medicine is very Buddhist, um, where did you go from there? You know, like what was your uh, maybe your goals at the time that ultimately kind of led you, you know, into, let's say, acting and the other work that you do now?
1: Well, I feel like when I first started my practice, it really came into my life at a crucial time mm. when I needed it. And it raised my life conditions so that instead of feeling depressed and like I lost something mm. and like uh Like, I don't know what to do with myself. Mm -hmm. Instead, I felt like, ooh, what are the possibilities? And Mm -hmm. I just started, like, trying new things. And I actually got really into Muay Thai. Mm -hmm. I think I needed a place to funnel my anger and then also keep myself active because i was so used to skating you know three to five hours a day and so i needed something to stay active so i got really into muay thai and then i also went into an acting class and it was kind of there that I that void that skating had left in my heart mm-hmm. began to fill up again. And I just saw all these similarities. I was like, oh, wow. Going to class is like going to practice and and working on a scene is like working on my program and going mm. to an audition is like going to competition. And the the casting directors are like the judges. And it was just the, it was uncanny, the similarities. And so it just felt like a very easy transition to step into that didn't hurt my ankle.
0: Yeah. No, that's amazing. I love the the comparison and yeah, being able to transition so smoothly into that as well is incredible. So, I know that you did go to the Imagine Life with Diana Castle and are you still a part of that or was that just kind of the starting point for you when you got into acting here in LA?
1: Oh gosh, I wish that's where I started. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, that that's my current home right now. Okay. Um when I first landed in LA, of course, I was asking where do you go? And yeah. where do you go? And yeah. and I sampled studios here and there and, you know, felt like, oh, I've gotten what I feel like I need from this one and moved to the next one. And, and same thing, you know, just like, oh, I think I've grown as much as I can here. Time to move to the next one. And I think it was in 2016 I was introduced to The Imagined Life. Okay. And that's really when my whole perspective on this career started to shift and change and i really started to feel like a, an artist and that i'm not just this uh, superficial machine memorizing lines going to an audition it's like now i'm i'm really embodying a human being right. and empathizing deeply with these experiences and taking them on as my own and and so Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm just so grateful for the imagined life. It's it's changed me not only as an actor for the better, but also as a human being for the better.
0: Wow. That's awesome. I love that. So I'm curious, kind of maybe if you could share some of your struggles uh, that you have kind of gone through in like you know, your your 20s or, you know, however long, if you will, Uh, but that you really feel have though as though have really kind of helped you to like stay in this creative field and keep pushing forward because finding your personal struggles usually, like you said, are kind of uh, turning poison into medicine or, you know, the catalyst maybe for you to keep going um, as a creative.
1: Oh, struggles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like (laughs) I think the greatest blessing in disguise has been not achieving my goals as soon as I wanted them to. Mm -hmm. I feel like early on in my acting career, I was so confident Mm -hmm. and I was just certain that I'd, I'd make it and it was meant to be. And this was my calling and my destiny. And And so I like pounded the pavement with that confidence and the longer time went on where I wasn't like making those goals like I had thought I would, Mm -hmm. the more my confidence reduced Mm. and, and I started to question like, is this really, am I really meant for this? And, um, am I good enough? And so the inner work that I've had to do to like to build myself back up and to, um, not base my, uh, my worth on these outside circumstances and Mm -hmm. validation, like that's been tremendous growth. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a deep part of me that intuitively knows, like the reason why I haven't quote unquote made it yet is because like, if I had made it when I was earlier
2: mm-hmm.
1: or when when I was younger, I don't think that I would have continued to grow in the way that I've grown. I think that I would have um, taken it for granted. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really just trusting my life right. and uh, continuing to listen to my heart.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so actually right now my heart is uh, asking me to put, Acting on on the side a little bit and mm-hmm. just not make it my main focus right now. And, um, you know, it's still something I deeply love and cherish and I feel like will always be a part of my life. I know that I'm a performer and that it this is like a way that I love to express myself. Mm-hmm. And um, but I'm also now experimenting with expressing myself in other ways, too.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that's incredible. So, you know, speaking to love and listening to your heart and everything, I know that you came out with uh, the Cosmic Love Guidebook. And so I would love to hear kind of more about that. I know uh, you said that it's kind of a workbook for uh, to help women, but also men uh, to attract the love of their lives. So I'd love to know more because I could definitely use some love help myself. So please kind of share with us a little bit about it.
1: I would love to. So I have a crazy love story. Mm. Uh, My husband and I met the second day that I was in L.A.
0: Whoa. Yeah. Pretty
1: unheard of, right?
0: Yeah. I was going to say that's literally like Disney. Like, (laughs) like literally that's like a script waiting to happen. So please write it. But anyways, go ahead.
1: (laughs) So, um, yeah, like I moved to L.A. and I had this living situation prepared for myself temporarily you know like just to land and get my feet on the ground and look for a place to live but the day that i arrived those plans fell through mm-hmm. and i had to find a place to live immediately mm-hmm. and uh i'll throw chanting back in the mix like i had been chanting a year before i moved here to manifest the perfect one bedroom in Santa Monica with a washer and dryer for under $1,000 a month in a safe neighborhood.
0: (laughs) Wow. That is literally hashtag goals and also like dream and in this like airbox that you're creating.
1: Yes. I was like, like picturing it and I was so certain, like, I'm just going to manifest this Yeah, and this is what I, what I want. Yeah. And then when I found out like, um, you maybe don't have time to look for this Perfect place, like you just need a place to live.
0: Yeah, you need a a roof over your head, so you don't you're out on the streets.
1: So I chucked that out the window, and I was just like, started chanting, like, I just want to find the best place for me, whatever that is. Mm. I was like, I don't care if it's a roommate or a sublet or like whatever. I just want it to be the best place for me. Mm. And two days later, I came across a Craigslist ad. And I answered it, and I came to see the place, and uh, we really hit it off. And long story short, two weeks later, I moved in. And a month later, I fell in love with my roommate.
0: Wow. <laughs> and my
1: roommate and I uh, decided we would spend the rest of our lives together.
0: Incredible. That yeah. is an amazing love story.
1: And then it actually it gets better. <laughs> so after we got engaged, which is... Totally magical. I entered or we entered to win this online wedding sweepstakes called the Not Dream Wedding. Mm -hmm. Um, And we won this $100,000 dream wedding.
0: Yay. Congratulations. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah.
1: Incredible. Um, You know, and and we were married on Valentine's Day, Mm. which is like the day everyone celebrates love and... Mm -hmm there There was just so much mysticism and fortune surrounding our love and relationship and our coming together. Mm-hmm. And that's the medicine that I feel like I created out of where I came from, mm-hmm. being um sexually assaulted and abused by my s- skating coach.. Right. and the the space in between those two things involves the the work that I did to transform how i viewed my own worth and value right because one of the first i feel like big benefits that i received from starting my practice Mm -hmm. was about two and a half years into practicing i really reflected on because i'd been uh, physically abused by men as well Mm -hmm. and um emotionally abused and sexually abused and like you know i just Reflected like what is it that has caused me to attract right. these types of relationships? Mm-hmm. And I came to realize that, wow, I, I don't value myself. Mm, wow. And so I made a determination that I was gonna transform this deep sense of self-worth mm-hmm. and that I was never gonna let a man treat me less than I deserved. And I just started to focus on uh, really believing in my own inherent value. Wow! And so, by the time that I met my roommate slash husband, I was I was so solid in that. Mm. And I said to him, I said, um, this was before we even fell in love. I just said, I said, you know, I believe that the man I'm going to end up with is the luckiest man alive. Mm. And he said. Oh, don't you think that's kind of conceited? And I said, <laughs> no, I know my value. Mm. And that's how, that's what I believe. Yeah. And um, I'm pretty sure he would, he would tell you today. He's the luckiest man alive. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. No, that's so profound though, because I think if you, if we don't know our own value, right, then we usually tend to do the same thing over and over again, right? Expecting different results. So yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. So the cosmic uh, love guidebook, is it kind of a step-by-step process or is it telling your story and then how to like put it into your own um, daily life?
1: Yeah. So I am planning to do two books. One is going to be mostly focusing on the story, Mm -hmm. but what came to me first and what I really want to get out there and share right now is the step-by-step process Got it. because you can you don't need the story to like get going on this yeah. and so I just created a step-by-step guidebook that is a compilation of all the like tips and tricks and things that I did mm-hmm. personally that mm-hmm. I feel like allowed me to meet the one, right? And I don't think that it's anything too extraordinary. Um, but a main focus of the workbook is that inner work, and is reminding you that, like, in order to attract the right person, like you have to become the right person first.
0: Yeah, it all starts with you. I yeah. love that. So what maybe brings you the most happiness now versus kind of when you first you know, started out at 16, but even like going into acting, I mean, you're you are a multi hyphenate. So kind of all the things that you do, which is incredible. The difference maybe between the happiness when you first started out and what that looked like versus what you find your happiness in now.
1: What a deep question, Alan. <laughs> Where do you get your happiness from?
0: Exactly. Is there a fountain somewhere that you'll crack it out of now?
1: Is this a trick question? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, the first thing that comes to me is uh, is really spending time in nature. Mm. Nature makes me feel whole and complete and unjudged mm. and welcome and supported and loved and and so and nourished mm-hmm. so so if, if I'm ever feeling down like I just need to go outside mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to just to uh, for a quick answer there but as far as like how I spend my time or what I focus on to bring me what that fills me up the most Um, I'd say it's, 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 I don't, gosh, you stumped me. (laughs) There's so many things is the Mm -hmm. thing. It's like, um, it's like I love skating and dancing and moving. So Mm -hmm. I also derive a lot of joy from just moving my body as well as another way. And, um, chanting and the, the community that comes along with that, Mm I, I, get a lot of joy from and and then traveling i'm a i'm a big traveler so andre and i we andre is my husband (laughs) uh we have a a travel series on youtube yep called love set run Mm -hmm. and it's an altruistic based travel series we volunteer in different countries and Mm we um really just want to inspire people to give back when they travel Mm. and make this you know traveling is such a luxury yeah and it's also such a great way to bridge the gap between cultures mm-hmm. and oftentimes travel is a very consumer based experience mm-hmm. it's like you go somewhere and you just it, what can i take i to put it bluntly but you know what can i experience and consume and it's about you but like you can still do that but How can you also give back? Right. And how can you get involved with local communities and learn from the locals and how to help out? And we just have had such an incredible experience doing that, that uh, we wanted to film it and Mm -hmm. share it with others so that people think about giving back whenever they're traveling abroad as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I I definitely checked out uh, Love Set Run on YouTube, and you guys have traveled a lot of places, and we're talking some incredible locations as well. And then the fact that you have you know given back and really volunteered what kind of drove this desire to want to travel and do this, you know, type of work? Because like you said, travel is definitely a luxury. A lot of people go internationally, you know, they go to Japan and, you know, hang with the monkeys in the snow-capped mountains and go to, you know, Brazil and, you know, take pictures and lay out on the beach. But uh, not a whole lot of people, you know, take this and then also to to film it. And I know you guys also do like interviews with, um, you know, local people that are, you know, making a change in in their little community. So just curious, kind of what was the, the spark, I guess, that maybe started this whole project?
1: Super great question. So when we won our wedding, mm-hmm. it included a honeymoon and we... Just felt so grateful for that experience that we told The Knot that we would do. We wanted to pay it forward Mm. and do charity work on our honeymoon. Got it. So that was the seed. We uh, worked on a Oh, we did some tsunami cleanup in Japan Mm -hmm. because it was just a couple years after the earthquake and tsunami. And. Then we worked at an elephant sanctuary in Thailand. And then we worked at an orphanage in Bali. Mm -hmm. And in researching organizations to work with, we discovered that there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of places that on the surface look like they're doing good, Mm -hmm. but they're actually corrupt. Mm -hmm. And so part of our mission, too, is to help people find conscious ways to volunteer and to travel because when we were in thailand we got approached with oh would you like to go to tiger kingdom and and pet the tigers and Mm -hmm. so you know at first you're like oh my gosh petting a tiger right yeah
0: (laughs) a eyed and bushy tailed ready to go and
1: this was Mm pre-instagram i mean instagram existed but i wasn't on it but like you know now with instagram people are are so excited to show photos mm-hmm. of posing with baby tigers right. and, you know, you get lots of likes for that, but what's really going on there. Right. This is a wild animal mm-hmm. that should not be used for, uh, human entertainment. Right. And we discovered that they drug the animals. Mm. They beat them. I mean, the only way to get them to like pose with people is to drug them. And then, wow. There's also um, lion sanctuaries that are actually breeding farms Mm. where they keep the females and breed them like as in they're farming them. Wow. And the males, you know, all the babies they use so that people can come and pet and take pictures. But then when they get too big and too dangerous, they ship the males off to the canned hunting industry. And that's wow. where these trophy hunters can come and pay anywhere from 10 to $50,000 to come and, unfairly shoot and kill a A beautiful majestic lion. Wow. So uh, that's just another aspect of our series that we really want to highlight how to spot like a true lion sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And and if you do want to do volunteer work, like make sure you do your research. And um, and then in Thailand, like, you know, it's really, uh, it's a, the, In Thailand, the elephant riding industry Mm -hmm. is like a huge thing. Right. People want to ride the elephants, but that, too, is is not okay. Right. So uh, we just want to help also help educate.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Did that answer the question?
0: Yeah. No, that's amazing. (laughs) I guess that my only question is why like love set run like the title itself?
1: Well, love set run is an anagram for the word volunteers. Oh. So if you rearrange all those letters, you have spell volunteers.
0: Incredible. (laughs) So so smart. So wise. I love that. So what do you consider to be kind of your greatest strength? Because, you know, you've given us all these stories and the things that you've done and the, you know, the triumphs that you've had over your struggles. To keep on persevering, you have to have, you know, this strength. And so just curious, kind of what do you consider to be yours?
1: Wow. Well, I... I really consider one of my greatest strengths to be always seeing the sunny side of things mm. and the the positive side or always looking for the benefit, the silver lining, um, the, you know, well, what's another angle? How, you know, if I'm looking at something and it's not looking good, it's like, well, let me like shift perspective here mm-hmm. and try to see it from another angle. And whenever I, I do that, I'm really like, And I, and I feel like I do that for my friends too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm able to shine a light from a different angle. I like to, when my friends uh, are struggling with something, I like to remind them that like, you're, you're a precious jewel, you're a diamond and all these, um, These struggles and things are just creating new opportunities for you to have a new facet on that diamond. And the more facets you have, the sparklier you're going to be.
0: Wow. Beautiful. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. To be a champion for someone else who, you know, maybe like going through it or not feel it is incredible, you know, and that's definitely a strength that. Uh, is amazing and we need more people that are, are like you in that way, especially with everything going on, you know, in the United States and the world for that matter.
1: Oh, I just was going to say, I have, I feel like I have one more yeah, like
0: please. superpower.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, we all have it actually. Mm. It's, it's not unique to me. Um, but I, I employ it a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I, and another thing in my workbook that if you choose to download it you'll um, hopefully cultivate more of is just love in your own life like Mm. I am a big proponent of love and I live my life in love with love for love Mm. you know even on if I'm taking a walk I take time to notice a flower and really appreciate it Mm. or a tree and really appreciate it and um, and love it, if you will. And I f- I have experienced firsthand how this this decision to to love everything mm-hmm. around me um, has brought more love into my life. Mm-hmm. And so I really encourage people to just be a love magnet. Wow. And uh, President Ikeda talks about being the sun,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and how uh, the sun shines its rays out into the universe, even on planets that don't reflect it back, but it just keeps on shining. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we can do the same thing with our love, you know, just keep emanating love, even if people and things aren't reflecting it back, mm. but just keep being that. And eventually your environment will will begin to reflect that back.
0: Wow that's profound, (laughs) very powerful. I love that. Yeah. I think that, yeah, love is to come from a place of love instead of fear or a place of unknown can completely change everything, you know, and more of us need to come from a place of love than a place of fear, for sure. You kind of tapped into this a little bit before, and so you might've already answered my question, but has there been a point in your skating career, in acting, in being a host or or whatever it may be uh, where you felt like you made it as maybe kind of getting to a goal that you had really wanted to achieve. And then, you know, having hit that goal. And I know you kind of said that, you know, there wasn't really, but curious, maybe if there was like one specific moment or, you know, something that had happened that you felt like I worked so damn hard to make this happen. And now like I manifested that and made it happen.
1: Yeah, there was one year, 2018. Mm-hmm. I, i like to really set deep intentions at the new year. Right. That's my time to reset and and make a charge forward. And so at the beginning of 2018, I made this new hardcore intention that I was just going to like run all out in my acting career um, and approach it like a scientist.
3: Mm, wow. <laughs> I
1: was like, OK. I'm going to see what happens if I just give it my all for three years. Mm. And I and so I did that. And um, and I had more auditions the first month of that year than I had the previous two years combined.
0: Wow. It
1: was just like as soon as I made that decision, mm-hmm. I really believe decision is king. As soon as I made that decision, it was just like, poof, you know, here it is. Mm. And so that gave me the confidence to like, yeah, <laughs> this is, it. you know, I'm going for this. And I had such a great year that mm. year. You know, I played the lead in like, I think four films. Wow. And I, I got to have a meeting with one of like the top agencies. Mm-hmm. And I also was meeting with people in Paramount. And so it was just like checking off all these boxes. But at the same time, like I still didn't really feel Mm. like I made it or, you know, like, (laughs) like it was enough. Even Mm -hmm. I was definitely lacking appreciation. Mm. Um, But it was also at that time, like after I made that hardcore decision, I also was just buffeted with so much self-doubt wow. and so much, like, uncertainty and just really questioning if, like, this is – if I'm on the right path or not. Mm-hmm. And the those three years that I told myself I'm just going to be a scientist and experiment, I'm not going to be attached, you know, it's just like – i'm just gonna see what happens (laughs) yeah right (laughs) you're an emotional empathetic artist Do you think you can just like turn on a button and become a scientist not attached to your work right (laughs) yeah but anyway (laughs) um (laughs) the the human revolution or the like The work that I had to do to like keep going, even Mm -hmm. just putting one foot in front of the other has really um, made me such a stronger, deeper, more humble Mm. human being.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing because you you mentioned this before, but I think that you saying that not receiving the goals or hitting them when you wanted them was actually like such the greatest benefit for yourself. Because I think that majority of people, right, they're like, if I didn't hit it, then I've like quit. I usually quit it or I've lost that opportunity. But I think that, you know, not only in this practice, but just kind of in life in general, like nothing necessarily comes out the way we quote unquote want it, but maybe more of what we need in that moment for ourselves. The idea that, like, you know, the the grass is always greener or at some point I'm going to hit this, you know, peak moment. And like you said, you know, you like starred in these movies and we're doing, you know, at the height of your career with all these things happening and you're still like, you know, like, yeah, where am I? Where am I going from here? Kind of what am I doing with this? But I think that's really true, you know. And yeah, like you said, the inner transformation or, you know, as we call human revolution, um, man, that can be that's like the that's the battle right there is doing all that work. So. Yeah, that's Definitely. incredible. <laughs> so, what do you consider to be your work ethic like? And I know you've, you know, kind of touched on this already, but, you know, being a creative in, you know, every field that you're in uh, is like really no easy task and so, you know, what does it really take for you to do your work, let's say on, you know, a daily or weekly basis for you to kind of continue going?
1: I feel like my background and my upbringing as a figure skater mm-hmm. has really built this foundation of discipline Mm. in my life like i for years would wake up early go skate go to school go back and skate some more go to ballet go home do homework and then do it all over again wow and um then to the point where i was starting to homeschool and then it was like And I was also living alone, but Mm -hmm. still I was like waking up and going to the gym and counting every calorie and uh, going to the ice rink and going to Pilates and going to the ice rink and going to back to the gym and, you know, just like really disciplined and regimented. Mm -hmm. And so... When I also started my Buddhist practice, like that carried over, and I became really disciplined with that, you Mm -hmm. know, practicing in the morning and in the evening, and also challenging myself Mm -hmm. and pushing myself and expanding my capabilities. So I feel like I'm really good at disciplining myself, which helps with my work ethic. Mm. However, I have found myself in new territory Mm -hmm. in my life Mm -hmm. where. I am feeling tired mm. of working so hard, right. of pushing so hard, and um, and I'm I'm realizing that I'm just in this this new zone in this new space in in my life that is really confusing. To mm. be honest, you know, like I want to share this because. I think this is all part of being a creative. Mm-hmm. Nothing is ever linear. Right. And so I'm right now going through a a time where I don't have a goal right mm-hmm. now, and that is like that is that is something unheard of, you know, (laughs) (laughs) my entire life, I've been working towards goals. And so now I don't really have one. And that's kind of like, who am I without a goal? Right. And I'm feeling like, like I mentioned earlier, just tired. And I want to kind of just relax. And the, the visual that keeps coming to me is that I'm in this kayak, and I've been like, kayaking upstream and mm, you know against the, river. the current mm. and like no this is the way i'm supposed <laughs> to go i'm going this direction because i said i would mm. <laughs> you know and just fighting it but i guess i've just fatigued out and and i'm just like i just can't keep going like this anymore mm-hmm. and I feel like my intuition is telling me turn the kayak around, mm-hmm. relax, mm-hmm. let go, mm-hmm. and you know what the the path just might lead you back around to the direction that you're trying to go anyway. Yeah. So why keep fighting it mm-hmm. and pushing and struggling in a direction that's not not bringing you joy or that's not coming easy? You know, I. I feel like um, there's this this ephemeral flow out mm-hmm. there that creatives and people talk about. And when you're in the flow, like the doors just open for you. And I'm like, that's what
0: I want. Mm-hmm. Like I want
1: to find my flow. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm letting go, which is really scary and <laughs> challenging. Yeah, and um, I'm just. Really working on being okay with with things not being um, the way I'm used to being okay with allowing myself to let things unfold instead of trying to like force them in some way mm-hmm. and um, just seeing where that river is gonna take me
0: Wow. That's, that's amazing though. I think, yeah. Thank you for sharing so openly because, you know, like you've said, you know, you, you have these successes, right. And these things are happening in your life currently, but a lot of people, when they see that from the outside, they probably don't see it or think of it as like, why would you stop? Right. Or why would you just kind of like, be like, okay, you know, like this is, I'm good with this. Or I, what's the next step if you're if you're constantly fighting you kind of almost can't see kind of what's happening around you right so yeah. You don't see that like, oh, maybe I am going up a stream instead of just <laughs> floating down the stream like everyone else could be, you know, <laughs> or finding that that path for yourself. Yeah. No. And I think that not enough people kind of talk about that. You know, you look on social media and it's this constant like barrage of, oh, my God, this is so great. And I'm my life is, you know, it's this very curated life, you know, that a lot of people think that they're living <laughs> when in actuality they probably aren't. And even the successes that people do see don't always come with, you know, like. The reality of it is that it's like not necessarily as as pretty and beautiful as it may really seem. Um, and that's something that is OK, you know, and I think that being able to talk about it and being kind of like, OK, I'm here right now. I'm present and I don't have a goal right now and I don't know where maybe I'm going to go, but I'm going to figure it out, you know.
1: Yeah. And you really hit the nail on the head with that word present mm-hmm. because that's something that I'm really working on stepping into and just fully embodying mm-hmm. is the present moment right. with acting. I feel like it was very, it kept me in the future a lot, mm-hmm. you know, it was always like what's striving for the next job or the next thing. And, and, and questioning, like, will I ever make it sometime right. in the future? Right. And I, I, really believe that all of our suffering exists in the past and in the future Mm. when you become really present with yourself like suffering disappears Mm. like let's do it right now (laughs) okay okay just take a deep breath feel maybe if you're sitting down like you know, where the contact of your, your seat is to your body. Mm-hmm. Listen for maybe any sounds you might hear. If you're outside, maybe you're lucky enough to hear a little bird singing. Maybe you hear your breath coming in and out. Maybe you feel the inside of your lungs expanding with air and pressing against your rib cage, making your rib cage expand and contract with each breath. Maybe you open your eyes or your eyes have already been open and you just see stillness around you. Maybe you see something beautiful Maybe you see, maybe you're in your in your apartment and you really love your couch and you're like, wow, this is a really beautifully made piece of furniture.
3: Hmm.
1: I'm so lucky that I get to spend time on this couch. It's so comfortable. And you begin to f- look around your apartment some more and you're like, wow, I'm so fortunate. I have so much abundance in my life. Look at, I have this beautiful coffee table that I picked out at a, at a Chinese vintage store. And it just brings me so much joy. And it's here. And now that you realize like you don't have any problems. Everything is okay. Everything is great. Actually. Mm -hmm. Because you are surrounded by beautiful things, you're supported, and you probably have someone in your phone that you could call and tell them that you love them, and they're like gonna say, I love you too. And so it's here where our problems disappear, and uh, we're able to really tap into, I think our greatest powers and our deepest wisdom and that's where i'm trying to live more and more
0: wow i love that thank you so much that was beautiful how do you feel great i feel so much more calm and present yeah <laughs> absolutely with you in this moment so yeah you too. <laughs> yeah absolutely and another thing you could add to what you do is you have a perfect voice for doing kind of meditation and or, yeah, doing a podcast of sorts. <laughs>
1: I need your fancy microphones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you a place to go and get one. Yeah, no, definitely. That was beautiful. Definitely great, like mindful meditation, if you will, just simply being present. So, you know, you also at the top of, you know, the podcast podcast. Um, your title is also considered to be like an impactful artist. So if we can kind of talk to what that means to you and kind of how you express that.
1: Thanks. Uh, this is a new label that I'm kind of experimenting with and trying to own a little bit more. I've come to realize that as an artist, I, I just want to create art. I just want to do things that make an impact. Mm -hmm. Positive one, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And so whether that's through my skating, and I recently released a a skating music video Mm. on YouTube. Um, Alicia Keys has this beautiful song she came out with in 2020. And um, she's just reminding you that you're doing a good job. Yeah. You're doing a good job, a good job. And so I wanted to... Embody that on the ice and make something that reminds people that they're doing a good job.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, recently, my husband Andre and I just went to French Polynesia mm-hmm. and we swam with humpback whales, which is
3: mm-hmm.
1: an absolute dream come true. Yeah. Uh, whales, in my opinion, are the most highly evolved, intelligent, sentient conscious creatures on our planet mm-hmm. so we've got to protect them yeah. and save them right and so uh he and i collaborated we he's a videographer and mm. photographer and and beautiful editor obviously he you know we filmed our whole travel series and he edited the whole thing as well mm-hmm. so um we created a uh, kind of save the whales video Mm. it's still in the editing room right now um but i took my dry land skates to Mm. french polynesia with me and you know i skated on the island there Mm. and i just you know i'm i'm just experimenting now with how can i involve this way that i love to express myself through movement and skating and involve my passion and heart to speak out about things that are important to me and also to encourage others somehow and, um, funnel that into producing art that is meaningful.
0: Mm. No, that's incredible. I think for me as a photographer, I actually, let me rewind for one sec. I actually meant to ask you because the footage that you guys have and the video, the stills and everything in the editing of your love set run YouTube channel is incredible. And so, yeah, Thank I wanted you. to ask kind of how did that come about? And so it sounds like, you know, Andre, is that his background? Is that kind of what he does for a living or was it specifically, you know, something that you guys culminated by doing this project?
1: So, Andre is an insanely talented photographer. Amazing. He he does photography more as a side hobby, passion. Okay. Um By trade, he's a 3D animator. Oh, wow. Um, So he works in visual effects and Mm -hmm. on feature films and doing a lot of previs for films. Right. And so he has an animation background and he -hmm. just has this incredible eye for visual storytelling. And then he's a really talented editor to boot. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, we were just able to co-create this travel series together Mm. and it's been a total passion project because he has a full time job Mm -hmm. and some other freelance jobs. So that's why it's taken us so long to edit our series. Mm. But um, yeah, thank you so much. We are really proud of how it's turned out and we're so excited for the next season starting in French Polynesia. Fantastic! um, Yeah, it's going to be even better.
0: Amazing. I love it. (laughs) Maybe talking just very quickly, specifically on kind of how you chose the different countries you went to and then also, yeah, what the, the next countries are going to be. Because I know that you went to, you know, like Costa Rica was like over months of time, right?
1: Actually, the whole trip, we backpacked around the world for five and a half months total.
0: Got it. Okay. So
1: each country was about an average of three to four weeks. Wow. And... Uh, we started in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and we volunteered at a organic farm there, and we also got scuba diving certified mm. there. And then we went to Peru, mm-hmm. and we volunteered at a monkey sanctuary, and we also trekked over the Salkantay Pass to Machu Picchu. Incredible. And then this is a fun little travel hacking uh, tip. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to go from Peru to South Africa, mm-hmm. but the flights were really expensive. Right. So we started looking into like, well, maybe there's just these a different route we can take. Mm-hmm. And we found a route that was like almost half the cost if we went to Barcelona first.
3: Mm.
1: And we were like, well, do we want to go to Barcelona? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to Barcelona mm-hmm. and then we're like, well, Gosh, since we're going to be up in Europe, we we re- one of the places we really wanted to go is Iceland. Mm. And so we're and it's only like a two and a half hour flight from Spain. So wow. we're like, well, let's just go to Iceland. Right. So we went to Iceland and we rented a camper van and we drove around the entire island. It's called the Ring Road.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, Iceland is definitely by far one of our favorite, if not our favorite countries like mm. um it's so magical. Yeah. So I, I really encourage anyone to go to Iceland someday. And then uh, we went back to Barcelona and then we made our way to South Africa. Got it. And in South Africa, we volunteered at a true lion sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And then we also did safari mm-hmm. in the Kruger National Park. And then from there, we flew to Nepal. Wow. Wow. And in Nepal, we volunteered with a um, – it's called the Bandipur Learning Center. It was a mm-hmm. little tiny town that, like, doesn't even have a, a downtown. They call it the bazaar oh, because wow. the the, like, center of the town is just this – this long strip mm-hmm. where the stores line the strip and then people live kind of around uh, on the on this hillside hmm. surrounding the bazaar. And so even though the caste system was abolished in the 60s, mm-hmm. the effects of it still play a part in people's ability to get jobs or mm. get ahead. It's just so deeply ingrained in the culture right. in India and in Nepal. Mm-hmm. And so, kids of the lower caste, Mm -hmm. called the Dalit caste, um, they unfortunately uh, just don't have the same opportunities that other kids have. And so, this learning center was built to provide before and after school tutoring and um, just a safe place they can go to get help on their homework Mm -hmm. and to support them. So, we... Uh, Spent a week volunteering with them, uh, which was incredible. Mm -hmm. That was probably our favorite opportunity. And then we also did a 16-day trek through the Himalayas. Wow. Which was (laughs) (laughs) mind-blowing.
0: I can't imagine.
1: (laughs) And um, after Nepal, we went to Laos. Mm -hmm. And in Laos, we we taught English there. Mm. So it was interesting. Like, everywhere we traveled, we were really able to get by speaking, being English speakers. Right. And it mean, made, really made me realize like what a luxury it is to speak English. Like, right. wow, we can go pretty much anywhere in the world and communicate. Right. It's incredible. But Laos, so few people speak English. Right. Right. It was like, whoa, yeah. okay. Like this is a different experience. And now I've, Felt like I really was like, oh, this is how, like, other people feel when they travel to countries and they can't speak the language. Right. So um, there's a real need for um, teaching English okay. in Laos. So that's what we did there. And um, our last two countries, Laos and Thailand, we only spent two weeks in each one. Hmm. And then in Thailand, that was um, mostly just kind of a, a gift to ourselves right. to go and relax and um rest cuz we were on the go yeah. working filming volunteering like the whole time so thailand was just like ah, let's yeah. just enjoy
0: paradise <laughs> the,
1: the last 2 weeks of this incredible trip but you know i can't go somewhere and not do something impactful so we did do a beach cleanup mm. and um, actually did a couple beach cleanups and then we filmed an um, a PSA about not riding the elephants right
0: yeah, yeah in Thailand got it Wow. Amazing. Well, thank you for explaining all that. Yeah. And now, everyone, go to YouTube and check (laughs) out (laughs) Love Set Run so you can see the entire journey because it really is incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now, going back to what what we were just talking about before, being that you're an impact artist, you know, and really showing purpose to, you know, what you're doing and not just kind of, you know, the idea of just constantly making content because, like, we're, like, constant Content monsters, is someone turns that, which I thought was hysterical. Um, you know, but rather really having intent with it and, you know, a purpose behind it and really using, you know, your title and your knowledge to be able to be this impact artist, you know, and not just kind of adding to the, you know, the ether of everything that's kind of going on out in the world. So,
1: yeah, thank you for saying that because I think that. Clearly, there is a plethora of content these days, especially with platforms like TikTok. Mm -hmm. And people just can't keep the camera off themselves. Right. And oftentimes, it's just mindless. And I I feel like our planet is at a tipping slash breaking point right now, Mm -hmm. where if we don't wake up, some shit's really about to hit the fan. Right. And I mean, it already has, yeah. but we're still kind of asleep. Yeah. And so if we don't wake up soon, like something even bigger is right. going to happen and to shake us and wake us up. Yeah. And so the sooner we can start waking up and taking responsibility for ourselves and really thinking about others, mm-hmm and not just ourselves, right. um, the the sooner our planet has a chance of surviving. And, you know, actually, the planet's going to survive no matter what. It's yeah. like it's us yeah. that we have to our save. Our own extinction <laughs> <It's> is, whether, <laughs> is up to us. Really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's totally true. And I think that, yeah, using our platforms as individuals should be going towards something that is making um, a change in the world and, you know, bringing awareness, you know, to, and not, I hate the word PSA. Cause I feel like, you know, it gets a kind of a bad rap of being like, this is the protection of the world. You have to do this or else, you know, it's kind of like, okay. And, uh, you know, the first thing people do is like next, you know, like they don't want to like listen to it, but yeah, using your art and using, uh, your creativity to bring, you know, activism and awareness to something I think is the best way to do it. And not only that, like let's actually make change, you know, happen so amazing so what do you consider to be uh, maybe one thing that you've really learned about yourself working in this industry
1: oh gosh just one thing (laughs) no it doesn't have to be just one thing (laughs) well well, first off one thing that I've learned and I'm still learning and I still keep like running into is um, learning that I can't do it all myself
3: Mm. yeah
1: (laughs) I'm an only child. I'm an Aquarius <laughs> with a Capricorn moon. <laughs> and <laughs> whatever
0: that means. <laughs> don't don't go don't go <laughs> painting down those people that are all about. <laughs> no, I <I'm> just, <laughs> yeah. just
1: kidding. I think it really plays a part. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but I yeah, I just have this really like, I can do it all myself. Yep. Like, this very Girl Scout attitude about <laughs> how I approach things. And um, I forget to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I'm still learning.
0: Got it. Yeah. No, that's oh, huge. That <laughs> I I totally get it. I'm the same type of way. I'm like, I would rather do everything myself because I know I can get it done and I know I how I like it done. And that's the other thing. But yeah, yeah. the reality, <laughs> the reality yeah. is that it probably can't all be done if you're the only person doing it. You know, yeah. you have to be able to like utilize other people and ask for help which is a hard thing to do unto itself you know especially as creatives i do think that our mind is very much like this is my project this is like what i'm gonna do and like no matter what i'm gonna make it happen yeah i don't need your help and i was
1: totally that kid in middle school like science projects group projects where Mm -hmm. i was just like i'll just do the whole thing it's fine
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) totally relatable yeah no absolutely um so my next question is kind of who has been your biggest supporter or fan uh, that's really helped you to keep going. I think I know the answer but please go ahead.
1: My dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> That looks um, so good. Uh, definitely. My husband, Andre, I mean, he has just been my biggest cheerleader, my biggest fan and always um, supporting me and encouraging me and believing in me. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um, so fortunate.
0: Yeah. So I didn't touch on this and I meant to, but you're also award-winning floral designer and owner of Buddha Blooms. I would, I want to know more about it. Kind of like, how did you get into the floral design world? And yeah, kind of how does that ruminate as well with everything else that you have going on?
1: Well, my mom is a florist. Oh, amazing. Okay. Yeah. So she actually went into labor while designing (laughs) and I grew up. In a basket under the design table. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so from age like three or four, she was handing me flowers to play with and, mm. and, you know, design with or whatever. So it's just been a part of my whole life. Mm-hmm. And when I moved to L.A. to pursue acting, it was the thing that I was like, oh, obviously like I'll do floral mm. to support myself. Right. Um, and so I started my business, Buddha Blooms. Mm-hmm. And it's it's, you know, it's more like a, a side passion project of mine. I typically just work with private clients through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really advertise. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a beautiful art form. It's a lot of work. I think a lot of people don't realize how much work it actually is. They think, oh, flowers and just yeah. floating through the meadow. It's so lovely. Um You're like, and, I'm not a fairy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fairy when it's done. Exactly. But up until that point. Yeah, this is work. <laughs> yeah, this is work. And um I remember I remember I had this realization one day where, because I was really struggling, like like I'm a floral designer and I'm a skater and I'm an actor, like what am I? Mm. And and feeling, uh, like am I supposed to choose one? Like mm. or just really struggling with my identity and figuring out like how do I bring all these things together? Right. And I made I was making a floral arrangement for somebody, and all of a sudden I noticed that. The 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 way the flowers were moving kind of reminded me of how I move on the ice Mm. and I really started to see this um, this poetry and synchronicity between those two mediums Mm -hmm. and that there's something about the way that I express myself on the ice that also comes through in the way I express myself with flowers. And then I also was like, wow, well that must come through in the way that I express myself as an actor as well. Mm -hmm. And being newer to acting, whereas like skating and floral design, I felt more established and confident at Mm -hmm. um, it. That kind of gave me a little bit of a confidence boost too. like, oh, you know, like if I am this this beautiful and talented artist in these other mediums, then like, you know, I have that within me in this Mm. other medium, too.
0: Wow. Amazing. (laughs) No, I love it. Your your work is absolutely stunning as well. It's funny. My little side story, if you will, was uh, growing up in high school, I needed to like get a job. And so one of our family friends owns a florist shop in Sacramento so they had me working there and I never fully got it myself I would I was primarily in the back cleaning the flowers or you know watering them giving making sure they're cleaned up and ready to go and then I'd also paint their windows <laughs> for the holidays <laughs> which is fun my artistic side um but no it's stunning and I love the that you work with a lot of orchids as well which is like such a unique and beautiful stunning flower to work with
1: yeah that's my favorite flower and I feel like it it's always something that takes an arrangement up a notch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, because a lot of the times you just see orchids, you know, in like a potted plant as, you know, a stem and you're like, oh, it's so pretty. But yeah, to see them in an arrangement, you're like, wow, that's yeah, so unique. OK, so kind of keeping moving forward, you know, COVID-19, obviously we're still not out of it, but, you know, it really kind of shook up every single industry and the world for that matter. So, you know, what has kind of been the thing that's kept you going through COVID all of last year and into this year to stay current and in your in your creative fields?
1: I'm going to start with sharing that shortly before the lockdown happened, I made this determination to become a fountain of gratitude. Mm. And I would reflect on that daily and chant about it. And, you know, I just, I'm gonna, I want to be a fountain of gratitude. And so by the time the lockdown happened, my life was already experiencing and seeking out to, to look for and live with this lens of, you know, this, overflowing amount of gratitude and i really experienced that firsthand at the beginning of lockdown
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh we were so protected and and you know i just would wash my hands even with soap and be like oh i'm so grateful i can Mm -hmm. do this Mm -hmm. because i knew that there were so many places in the world that couldn't even stay clean and sanitary right and you know i had a beautiful place to live Mm -hmm. and um a beautiful neighborhood to walk around Mm. during the day and a beautiful healthy food to cook on a daily basis a beautiful husband and dog to like spend my time with and i just really became this fountain of gratitude Mm. and that that space and that time of like not doing anything really allowed me to do a bunch of creative things that I'd always wanted to do, but I've always kind of put off. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I was living my dream life, like Mm -hmm. waking up every day, getting to create something. And, and so it was a really um, beautiful time for me. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that it just, deepened my awareness of how much abundance and um, fortune that we have that yeah around us
0: right being aware of kind of the gratitude and the the fortune that we have to not only be healthy but to you know do what we do and to have the people around us and you know um, like you said, I, I don't think I really even thought about this until you just said it, which is we have the fortune to stay sanitary and clean, which a lot of us take for granted. You know, America went into lockdown and people went nuts, you know, fighting over toilet paper, taking all the shelves of food and, you know, kind of this crazy, almost like post-apocalyptic kind of situation. Right. But yeah, the reality of it is, is that we were so fortunate that we even had any of this stuff. There's countries that are still suffering to this day that, you know, don't have access to these things. So, yeah.
1: yeah, I think this is one of the illnesses of our country though is because we have so much in some ways it makes us greedier mm-hmm. and we just want more more and more consume, consume, consume. And like and then you add that level of fear mm-hmm. in and then it's like becomes hoarding. Right. Which is what we saw. And and so many other places in the world, they just live so simply and mm-hmm. they're so used to living with less right. that like it's um i I think it really brings less problems Mm -hmm. to to live simpler Mm. and to not always have so much yeah but at the same time like if we are gifted with so much abundance like let's really be grateful for it and become aware of it
0: absolutely Beautiful. So, you know, I know you've already kind of spoken to the fact that you don't really have a goal per se right now as to kind of career wise, but I'm kind of curious, do you have any goals for, say, you and Andre or, you know, your future, you know, next, you know, five, 10 years from now, kind of as a projection of kind of where you want to be, not necessarily career driven, if you will.
1: Yeah, actually, I think our next goal is to start a family. Yay! <laughs> You're like, I already need that. No, no, no,
0: no. I didn't. Don't want to assume anything.
1: Uh, um, yeah, it's it's something that I've been putting off mm.
0: uh,
1: because I've been so I've told myself like I have to I have to have career success before I start a family. Mm. Like that was kind of like a something that I really wanted. Right. And I think something that I was seeking a lot of validation from. Mm. Like, you know, I want to have all my ducks in a row Mm -hmm. before I start a family, because if I start a family, how am I going to be able to work hard enough to succeed in a career? Right. So I have to do it beforehand. And I've been like putting it off and putting it off. We've been married for um, almost nine years now. Mm. And, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> my parents aren't getting any younger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um so it's just kind of come to this point where it's like okay like I I think I need to put my ego and my pride aside about this need to desire to have career success before starting a family. And just you know it's that it's that river again that flow mm-hmm. that I think I need to step into and just let go mm-hmm. a little bit and see what happens. So that's, that's the main thing on our, our docket right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I think that's so relatable though, because so many of my friends who are also career, career driven women, um, and men for that matter, you know, do feel like, yeah, if I have not succeeded in my career, then there's like no possible way that I could, you know, have a family and manage both, you know, and still be successful and do whatever. But the reality is, is that if you don't focus on that at some point, right, whether your career is skyrocketing or you're at where you're at and need to be, then it probably won't happen, you know? So no, thank you for sharing that. And I think that's really real. And a lot of people can relate to, to just that. Yeah. Um,
1: And I also believe that, uh, this is, this is one of those strengths I talked about, mm -hmm. like being able to see it from a different perspective. Um, I I really believe that like when we are intentional about expanding our family mm-hmm. and bringing a new being into the world, if we're intentional about that, I'm just going to repeat that, uh, our lives will will expand to support that, mm-hmm. and so it might feel scary like oh I don't have what I want in place before I take this leap. Right. But like if you and say to the universe, you know, like this is something that I really want mm-hmm. and I want to bring in a being that's going to, you know, help contribute to the world in a positive way mm-hmm. and um, be a, a advocate for justice and peace. Like the universe is going to support that yeah, and find ways to, expand your your life and expand your resources so that you can support that I do believe that
0: no absolutely and yeah to your point of you know the way the world is going right now and as human beings on it to then, like you said, intentionally bring someone into this world and being, you know, fighting for their future. But not only that, this person's going to create a better future, you know, for generations to come. Then, yeah, absolutely. It will manifest itself in the perfect time and perfect way for you. So, yeah, love it.
1: I call it a conscious conception ceremony.
0: Wow. I like that. So if you could actually talk to your future self, you know, 15 years from now, what would you say to your future self?
1: (laughs) I'm sorry that I dragged my feet Mm. and that I made things so difficult when I should have just like let go a little bit more and didn't try to push the river so much. (laughs) Please forgive me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's honest. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, it's funny. Cause when you were talking about the, you know, s- pushing upstream in this canoe, all I could visualize was actually like the salmon jumping up the river, mm-hmm. right. You know, and trying to make it to the top, if you will. So yeah. similarly, it's kind of like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but then, yeah, like you said, realizing that if the stream is going downstream, I can also go downstream with it. I don't constantly have to fight it. So yeah. anyways, um, and then last real question is, uh, what is a motto or phrase that you really live by?
1: Yeah, I should have had that one beforehand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I feel like a motto and a phrase that I live by is be love and you will receive love.
0: Mm, I love that. So what does that mean to you? If you can kind of explain.
1: Being a being of love at all times. That includes to yourself, to others, like to the environment, and, you know, everywhere you go, whatever you're doing, like just remembering that your your presence in the world has an effect, whether you believe it or not. Right. And it can be something as simple as holding the door open for the person behind you hmm. coming out of the restaurant or the grocery store or whatever. Um, and looking somebody in the eye and thanking them hmm. and you know just it, it yeah it doesn't have to be this big grandiose display of love and affection it can be these little simple acts it can it can mean choosing to put a cup over that spider and sliding something underneath it and taking it outside mm. versus killing it right uh just these little things i i think add up and And eventually, you know, if you keep living this way, um, your environment's going to reflect that back to you and people are going to respond to you in the same way. They're going to hold the door open for you, too. And if they don't, then you can take that moment and be like, you know, it would have been really wonderful if you held the door open for me.
0: Mm. No, it's great. (laughs) Yeah chivalry is not dead totally but it definitely is in question i guess i would say that yeah because it's definitely a thing oh that's too
1: bad and and if that's the case you know if you don't see something the way you want it to be in life like then be that
0: right and yeah, yeah
1: it's kind of the golden rule like treat others the way you want to be treated
0: and it will be returned to you so definitely yeah fantastic well all I need to know and for our listeners is kind of where can people find you and follow your work?
1: Alrighty. Well, um I am on Instagram at Sierra Sophia Mercier. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-O-P-H I A M E R C <laughs> I E R. I know it's not obvious. Um <laughs> and uh our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash loveset run. And we also have an Instagram and my Buddha underscore blooms mm-hmm. is on Instagram as well. And then you can also find me at my website, which mm-hmm. is just Sierra and slash cosmic love. If you want to go straight to that cosmic love uh, book and uh, I'm running a special right now. So it's half off. Mm-hmm. If you want to download it, it's five fifty five. It's like less than your average coconut milk latte here in los angeles seriously so and i have great success rate with women finding if not the one then really healthy relationships and uh, you can reach out to me at any time if you have any questions and um yeah i'm here to support your journey finding Um, true love
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sierra. This was incredible. I really enjoyed our conversation and all the stories that you shared. So thank you. Thank you. And yes, I look forward to seeing what your journey unfolds as.
1: Thank you so much, Alan. Really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much to Sierra Mercier for such an amazing interview. I was inspired this week by her love that she was giving. This week's Buddhist quote of the day is, true love should be transformative, a process that amplifies our capacity to cherish not only just one person, but all people. It can make us stronger, lift us higher, and deepen us as individuals. Yet, in the end, we can only partner with those benefiting ourselves. The same is true of friendship, only to the extent that one polishes one's self now, can one hope to develop wonderful bonds of the heart in the future by Daisaku Ikeda. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Please go ahead and subscribe, rate us, and write a review, and follow me at Alan Zaki on social media. I look forward to having more amazing creative dialogues on the next episode.